Betty's got a gun. Betty's got a gun. Movie Betty. Oh, movie Betty. What did her ex-husband do? It's Betty's last IOU. She is an awful person. She murdered two people. <laughs> oh, take three take three okay hi welcome to the clubhouse i'm beth and i'm kirsten and this is the made for tv movie club podcast yay Woo! thank you so much for joining us in the clubhouse again we now have listeners in eight countries outside of the united states eight and 25 states within those we states. love you 25 states who listen welcome to austria and australia uh, mate and our <laughs> continuing <laughs> growing number of listeners in texas and california i wonder if it's my cousins in california who are listening if it is hi guys I they're love you. all over the, it's all over california so if it's them they're telling their friends so thank Yay! you we should have we should have had matthew say australia mate yes because that was terrible of me so it's okay. We're the, on the third take because neither one of us can get our shit together today. And or our words out. Just the words out. I'm having yeah. trouble with the words today, even it's, though I'm actually a writer. Yep. Mm -hmm. uh, I just can't seem to get well, it. Well, not a speaker, though. So that's, that's okay. True. Like, I mean, I speak a lot. You, you of do. Nonsense. And you do what? No, well, <laughs> I want to clarify that. Or qual qualify, clarify. I Both. want to say you are a good speaker. However, the expectation as a writer is that you just write the words. Yes. I, yeah. now, but now I have to speak the words now that I write. speak the words. So if you ever see my any of my short stories in print or if I ever publish a novel, don't read it out loud. I'm pretty sure it's not going to. It's not going to wash. <laughs> she almost spit out her LaCroix. It's true. Her final fairy, the Betty Broderick story, part two. Yay. Yay. I have not been able to say that today. Aired on November 1st, 1992 as a CBS Sunday night movie. And there were 19 million viewers. So that's about 1 million more than the first part one. Mm -hmm. People had to find out what happened. Yeah. I mean, not that you wouldn't know from all the headlines, but you couldn't Google it back then. No, you couldn't. No, there wasn't even... Where were we with the internet in 91 or 92? Nowhere? Um, well, we it wasn't publicly accessible. That's yeah, for sure. I feel like it wasn't until the mid-90s. I would say. And even then, there wasn't a lot of content. No. You know what I'm saying? A hundred percent. Okay. So the plot synopsis, <laughs> the plot synopsis from TV Tango states. Oh the Wayback Machine tells us that the sequel to the March 1st, 1992 TV movie, A Woman Scorned, Betty Broderick, a La Hala, California socialite who in a jealous rage murdered her ex-husband and his young bride in 1989. In 1991, her first emotional trial ended in a hung jury. Then in the second trial, she is found guilty of second degree murder and sentenced to 32 years to life. So here's the thing. I'm reading that and it doesn't even, it's not good writing. I didn't write that blurb. Oh, it isn't. There's no, like I a agree with sentence you. fragment. So maybe it wasn't, maybe it's her, not me. Yeah. It's not you. I'm going to take on the Betty Broderick, movie Betty way of thinking. It's everybody else. I'm perfect. There you go. Right. Everything is okay. everybody else's fault. So I I went to a party last night and there was like some, it was actually a great party. We had a lot of fun. There was some karaoke in between karaoke. They had like dance music. So let's hear it from the boy from Footloose, the original. Let's the hear only. it for the boy. It's a great song. Yes. So we were all dancing to it. And the, the reason that I bring that up is because it is actually 
the same singer, Denise Williams, who sang the theme song for Without Us from Family Ties. From Family Ties. Which we talked about last. Because Meredith Baxter was in that. She was the mom. Um, she, she played the mom, the mom the on, And if you remember, Michael J. Fox was in it. Yep. It was probably one of the top 10 comedies. It was. And I loved it. For a it. long, long time. I loved it. I just didn't. I just didn't love it, but I just didn't like the parents. Well, and the funny thing is, I say now that my eldest child yes. is my Alex P. Keaton. Yeah. And you said I, that, am, I think in the last episode. I, yeah, yeah. And I'm the mom. Yeah. Yes. That's funny. Yes. I don't know why I didn't like it. I just, I just, they just drove me crazy. Maybe they were just too nice and I wasn't used to parents you like were that. <laughs> I wasn't going to say it out loud, but since you've said it now, you're probably a little, you know. A little jealous. I probably that. was. Yeah. So we already talked about Meredith Boxster, Kelly Williams in the last episode. There's a few new characters, so let's talk about them. The first is Judith Ivy. Yay! She plays the DA Wells in this movie. She has 75 acting credits, including A Life Less Ordinary and Mystery Alaska. In 2019, she played Dr. Virginia Staunton on New Amsterdam. Now, for those of you who are keen listeners of ours, yes. How is New Amsterdam important, Casey? I know. Tell I know. Us, tell us. It's our Sean Cassidy <gasps> connection. He's an executive producer and writer for New Amsterdam. Yay. Why are you not writing to me? You should write. You're to writing that. TV Sean, shows. Write to that. I wrote you a lot as a young girl in Please. love. It's going to happen. And I'm not in love anymore. It's going to happen. I mean, I'm in love with my husband, not you, Sean. But I think we should still talk. Yeah. We I should be friends. We should. I feel like that would be fun. I think so. Remember the movie Office Space? I case? do remember the movie Office remember Space. Remember Milton? I do. What was his real name? Stephen Root. The Steven actor Root. Stephen Root. He is the staple guy who burns down the office. Yes. And red stapler. In, yeah. The, and you have a red stapler. I have a red stapler. Yes. yes an I office do. space. So he plays Kevin McDonald in the movie, which I actually didn't recognize in the first movie. Oh, I, didn't, I did. I kind of did. I was kind of like, he's familiar, but yeah. how? Because he's so different looking. Well, yes, as Milton. But remember, Stephen Root also was in news radio. Yes. So yes. that's how that's you. That's right. I yes. keep forgetting that. That, yes. that show I loved. Yes. That was a great show. He plays Dan Broderick's friend, who was the one who. The first one. The to first leave. one to leave his wife. Yes. Yes. So he wasn't didn't have a particularly large role, but you're right. I I kind of spent the first time going, how do I know him? How do I know him? So when I looked it up, I figured it out. Our murder connect, our murder she wrote connection is Wayne Tippett. He was featured in JFK, Nurse Betty, and Taps. He is also featured in a movie I loved. I loved this movie. It was came out in 1998. It's called Dancer Texas Population 81. I've never even it's heard of it. It's got Breckin Meyer in it, if you remember who he is. Yes. And I think he might have written the movie too, but it's a little indie film about this kid who just, he lives with his grandpa and he wants to get out of Dancer Texas. Oh. It's, it's a great movie. I loved it. I'm going to have to add it to my list. Back when I was in grad school, I used to go down to family video and rent movies all the time. Because what else were you going to exactly. do? Exactly. Besides studying, yeah. it's not like you could do a whole lot else. I didn't have time. Yeah. But I really did enjoy watching. And I get a lot of indies. And that was one of my favorites from that time. Okay. It's a great movie. So, and it's all on you now. Okay. <laughs> Handing so, it over. The Script movie. turns red. Casey starts talking. That's right. Uh, the movie opens pretty much the same as the last one ended, but with a slightly different point of view. Um, there's a view of San Diego and text that says San Diego, November. So she 5th, must have moved to San Diego. She must not have been in La Jolla anymore. La Jolla. La Jolla. Why do I keep saying it wrong? I don't know. I don't know. It's okay. It's okay. Um, 
I yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It says San Diego. I think his house was in San Diego. Hers was oh, in La Jolla. So Could she, be? she, he probably moved because he was in San Diego, like doing his. That's practice. where he was. Yeah, that's yeah. where he. That's where he was, like the president of the lawyers' club or Great. whatever. The lawyers' club. <laughs> <laughs> so there's dramatic TV music playing. Betty Broderick wakes up in her bed. Um, she removes a gun from her drawer and leaves her house. She drives to Dan's house. She takes the La Jolla exit. So they, they show you. Um, oh, so she must have lived in San Diego and he lived in La Jolla. Okay. Okay. Um, she takes the La Jolla exit. It's still dark. She enters the house with a key on a very distinctive keychain. She stalks up to the bedroom, opens the bedroom door, and then closes it behind her. Um, so now she's standing next to the bed and um, looking at the sleeping Dan and Linda. She cocks the gun and the scene cuts to the outside where we hear five gunshots. Yes. And a dog bark. And a dog bark. Um, so now it's sunrise. We've got Betty um, calling. We believe it's her friend Karen. Oh, we know it's her friend Karen because then Karen. we see her. She's a real Karen too. Um, and she just, I did it. I finally shot the son of a bitch. Um, that was, that was Betty. Karen's lying in her bed and, and I, I have to talk about this case because it just keeps distracting me every it's time. Distracted you she too has much. a pillow man next to her. Like she's got this series of pillows next to her that looks like a person. And I get it that like people would do that. Like in when real Tim life. When Tim is gone, I stack the pillows I, on that I side get of the it. bed. But why would you do it in a movie? I don't know. Maybe That's they're trying the to be realistic thing. because well, remember later the, the house is kind of messy in a realistic way those that pillow man was not messy and that was, he was very neat. there was like three lined up pillows yeah. plus one on top so it looks like a head yeah well she, it's she was awesome killer. maybe karen couldn't get herself a real man well she she just needed the maybe like a weighted blanket kind of thing like the 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 weight of the covers being held down by the pillows mm. i don't know okay now pillow we, boyfriend <laughs> Next, we've got Betty calling Kate. The, remember, Kate is the, the oldest daughter. daughter yeah. And Kate tells Betty to come to her apartment. So now the phone rings at Betty's house and Tommy answered it, answers it. Um, Jerry is there with the two boys. So Tommy is Tommy and Grant are the sons and the Jerry sons. is her boyfriend. Okay. And Jerry is there with the two boys and tells, um, tells him Betty isn't home. Tommy says it's Karen. So Jerry gets on the phone and says, Hey, Karen. Um, there's kind of a pause. And then there's a pause. Yeah. And then he says, uh, Brendan Cross lives across the street. I'll go get him and we will see if it's true. So Jerry and Brendan, um, next scene, we see them running into Dan's house. They ring the doorbell. There's no answer. They find an open back door and they go inside to find Dan and Linda shot and dead in their bedroom. You know, it's really sad how much of a burden Betty placed on everybody else to figure her mm -hmm. fucking mess out. Mm -hmm. I mean, if this really happened the way this happened, yep. it's a huge burden yep. on Kate, on Jerry, on the children, on the friends. Everybody else has to clean yep. up her mess. Yep. But it wasn't her fault. No, it's just not. ask nothing movie Betty. Fault. Just nothing is her fault. Right. Okay. Then we've got Betty sitting in her car, just staring at the ocean. Next, we cut to Larry. Now, this is Dan's brother, Larry, and I believe he's like in Boulder or Denver. I think or something they said like that. that, right? Because yeah. they had a they had a ski 
condo somewhere. I think he was there, like in that general area. Yeah. So he's wearing the best 80s men's sweater ever. I love the sweater. Fantastic. There's some great sweaters and great 80s. Yes. Yes. It is the quintessential 80s sweater, like dad's sweater. Yes. Yes. All right. So Larry's pouring coffee and Kate calls him and um and Larry's like, hey, how early is it there by you? And uh then um then Kate um, tells him what Betty told her, which is that she shot Dan. And we don't Linda. know. And they don't, we don't know, know it's yet. True yet. Yeah. We don't know. Nobody we, knows it's true yet. Well, I mean, well, they, they don't saw know. the two guys, but yeah. they don't. They don't know. They don't know. So um, Larry says he's going to call Kevin McDonald to see if he knows what's going on, and he tells Kate to be careful of Betty. Yeah, which feels like a very reasonable warning at yes. this point. All right, then we see Betty at yet another payphone, and this time she calls her dad, and they have a very awkward conversation. She asks for her mother, who is not available to speak, um, and um, and in in this conversation, Betty says, um, "This she's is driving fake. me crazy. She's fake crying. I feel like committing suicide, which is just, I mean, it's just, yeah. Okay, we have very strong feelings we about have very that, strong so. feelings about that." So cut to the Brodericks. Now we are at Dan and Linda's house. It is full of investigators and first responders. And the phone rings and it's Larry calling the house and he asks who he is speaking to. And so we are going to take a moment so you can actually hear what is said. Yes. Yes. And also, we also don't know. We were wondering, like, if a police officer would really answer the phone in that if there was dead bodies in the house and the phone rings. Do they answer the phone? I feel like, yes. I feel like I they feel have like on I've TV shows too. Yes. Yeah. So we don't know. But anyway, this is the conversation. I can't tell you about that. Look, please just tell me if they're alive or not. Please. Well, I can't. I have no way of knowing if you really are who you say you are. Okay. Uh, okay. Look, uh, what phone are you on? What room? Uh, front hall. Look on the table behind the phone. There's a ceramic plate. Read the inscription. If you're lucky enough to be Irish, you're lucky enough. Love, Larry. I'm Larry. Please tell me. I'm sorry, Mr. Broderick. They are both dead. Sure, you're not allergic to I'm, me. I'm, I'm fairly confident. You'd be like, do a skin. You're like, test. I can't do the podcast anymore, Beth. I have a note from my doctor. I don't need a new hat. It's I'm allergic to you. It's you. It's not me. Oh, oh my god. If you put that in your movie, that's our trademark. I'm trademarking what Beth said. Oh. Everything I say. Okay, my, my words are so wise. Okay, and that's the world's shittiest way to find out your sibling is dead. True. Oh, awesome. okay. So Jerry tells Betty's two boys what happened. And it's it's so poignant. It's, it's so, so sad. sad. At least one of the times I watched it, I cried. Yep. Grant falls to the ground and Jerry's like hugging him. And then Brandon and his wife hug Tommy. And it's just very, it's very awful. sad. It's, it's very sad. Heartbreaking. Then we cut to uh, Betty. Ugh. She's at Kate's house. And... Uh, she is such a bitch. She's manic. Yeah. Not yeah. I wouldn't even say manic because I think that should be saved for people who are truly manic. Oh. You know what I mean? I agree. I, I agree. think she's just fair call. She's a bitch. She is. She's just like, I'm sorry if I ruined your day. Okay, narcissist. Oh, such a 
And and what she was clearly wanted them to do, which they didn't, thankfully, was say, oh, mom, we love you. You did the right thing by killing our father. Yeah. Oh, and then she pulls out sweet and lull from, from her, her purse, purse for the tea that her daughter brought. Oh, her daughter is comforting her. It is the it's saddest, sad, sad. Disgusting, disgusting display. Kate turns to her. Um, Kate tells her she needs to turn herself in. Debbie, th this is the daughter who we really haven't seen much of. I'm not even sure if she had a line in the last movie. No, I don't she know. She was that in she all did. the family scenes, but yes. I don't think she spoke. She she says, We'll go with you, mom. And then Betty storms out of the room to throw up, and Debbie follows. And as they're in the bathroom, Kate picks up the keys that um, Casey mentioned earlier and realizes that the keys that Betty used to break into Dan's house are keys that Kate had been missing. Yeah, because Betty spilled her purse when she got up to, to dramatically go, throw yes. up. And that's when Kate is like, holy oh, fuck, no. Mom and then has she starts crying because, because Betty has given the, the burden to everybody. Yes. So they're all burdened with this this pickup. And part of that is now she has to live with the guilt she's going to feel because her mom stole her keys. Yes. Which they're told to guard. Yep. So it's just, it's just very sad. Yes. Oh, how much do I love movie Betty? We hate movie we Betty. We hate movie Betty. We hate movie Betty. We hate movie Betty. In the next scene, Karen, who is a real Karen, <laughs> Karen with the the pillow boyfriend yes. arra arranges to meet with a lawyer so Betty can turn herself in. Betty makes a will for Karen to witness. And then Betty gives, gives Kate a check for $10,000 and says to divide it among the four children. And then Betty gives Debbie her jewelry, which was probably expensive because at the trial she's wearing Chanel earrings. Yeah. Even costume Chanel earrings would have been pricey. Yes. And probably worth a lot of money today. Oh, yeah. Because I would sure. think people would want that like vintage. Yep. Chanel I jewelry. I mean, I kind of do. Do you think Carrie Bradshaw has some? Probably. I bet she does. At the station, Betty and her lawyer, Carrie Steinberg, we don't need to know his name, he's gone. Yeah. Go to the police station and to turn Betty in. Betty gets booked. She goes to the clink. Yeah. <laughs> I love that word. <laughs> We're going to say that a lot. <laughs> Boy, she's in the clink now. In the next scene, District Attorney Carrie Wells, who we love. We, yes. We like her. She's a fucking rock star. Oh, and I did look her up. She did, she, mm -hmm. in real life, she just retired in, I believe, 2020 from the bench oh. after like 18 years as a judge or something. So good for you, Carrie oh, Wells. Oh, wow. We like you a lot. Good for you. Thanks for doing that. I didn't even think to do that. Yeah. I don't know why I didn't think I to do that. I just did it, honestly, just now, this oh, morning. Oh, that's yeah. a good, that's a good thing. Um, so we're going to call her D.A. Wells in the rest of the movie. She's got a very large part. She plays a big role in this. Yes. She's kind of getting her kids ready for school and her husband's outside and they're kind of running back and forth and inside and outside when you have a lot of kids. Yep. In the morning, that kind of happens. And her husband is like, oh, did you hear about this Betty Broderick? And she's like, what? And then they talk about it. Then she gets in the car and she's listening to the radio and there's a story about Betty. And so we're going to just take a break and listen because I want you to hear sort of what really was, this really was going on at the time. Betty was really courting the press, courting PR firms. Yep. And there was a real. Narcissism. Narcissism in it. And yeah. also her, she wanted the world to be on her side. Yep. And she worked really hard for that. We're not movie, Betty. We're not. No. So, but this gives us a little bit of a cultural temperature check on what was happening. So let's just give it a quick listen tragic end early yesterday when both Broderick and his new wife were killed. Many women and women's groups have rallied around Elizabeth Broderick in her lengthy struggle against the former San Diego bar president. 
Mrs. Broderick has continually claimed that her ex-husband's influence made it impossible for her to gain a fair settlement. <laughs> I really wish you guys could all be here with us. We should like record it, like video record us one time. I know we should. We got to talk about that later. What okay. is that? I don't know, but I think I want that car. Okay. Okay. All right. We're going to talk about that later. And then we'll tell you all about it when she gets it. Yes. Oh. <laughs> I, think we should I don't it. know what's happening. No, we got to keep going. Okay. <laughs> DA Wells' boss offers her the job of prosecuting Betty again. Yay. No. No. Uh, Bet I'm prosecuting Betty first the first time. time. Yeah. Betty is doing the usual whining about Dan to a shrink in the prison. In the clinker? In the clink. In the clink. It's basically the same stuff she's complaining about all the time. Yeah. She says he took her kids and her life and nobody helped her. Nobody. Betty says, I was the only person my kids and I could ever count on. Oh, which yeah. is such a load of bullshit. bullshit. Such a load of bullshit. Ugh. Movie <clears throat> Betty, you're a bullshitter. Yeah. Larry flies to California and Dan's friend Kevin McDonald picks him up. Kevin is taking care of the boys. And then Kevin says, Dan was the greatest friend you could ever have. Aww. I know it was very sweet. It's very sweet how they try to honor Linda and Dan in this movie. It's true. I think it's important because they really deserve to be honored. They do. They really they do. do. Um, let's see what happens next. Larry and Kevin go to Dan's house. Oh, yeah. Larry says... She killed her children's father, her own children's father. That's true. I'm pretty sure I said that several times when dropped a couple of F-bombs last episode. Yes. Because she did. She, she did. killed her kid's fucking father. Yeah. What a piece of movie shitty, movie Betty shitty. Yeah. Movie Betty shit. Yeah. If for no other reason to not cause your children the pain of losing one of their parents... She didn't care about her nope, children. She, didn't. she keeps touting around that she did, but she abandoned them. Yeah. Dan, Dan had she custody did. because she refused to go to court. Yep. Yep. Ugh. Larry and Kevin go to Dan's house to pick up the kids' things. There's crime scene tape everywhere and they can't get in the house. Then D.A. Wells is watching a video of Dan and Linda's wedding, like in her office, preparing for trial or whatever she's doing. Yep. And then Larry calls her from a payphone. And... Which might seem odd, but it really wasn't. No. we use pay phones all the time. We used to all the time. I we were I was visiting Shannon one time and her sister was with us. We were out went out to dinner. This was a, several years ago, and her sister is younger, significantly younger. Yeah. So she, she we were talking about like when we would make plans back in the day. And she's like, Well, how did you how did you know where everybody was gonna be? Like you didn't have texting. And I said, Well, you made a plan and, and, and then you, you just, showed up. Yeah. <laughs> Stuck with it. <laughs> Except for like when you or somebody would call me at the restaurant. They didn't like that. Yeah, no, they to didn't. tell us there was a change of plans. Yeah. And I was very lucky that they always did tell me. Like yeah. the hostesses would tell me. Yeah. Because they could have not. And then I wouldn't run, not run into you guys that night. That's true. But we always, that was the other thing. We always kind of had a, a thing where we would always end up at Vitucci's. Yeah. We, so we knew to go to Vitucci's. It's true. I wish we could go to Vitucci's. I know. Huh. Oh. Huh. Uh, bye, Vitucci's. We love you. Um. So, so, so Larry calls her from the payphone. He asks her to go to Dan's house to get their things, and she agrees. And then she keeps watching the video. Next, in the next scene, she goes to Dan and Linda's house, and she finds it's so sad. I she know. finds Tommy and Grant's toys. There's a hamster. There's pictures of Linda and Dan, and she's packing up their things. And there's a fish in a fishbowl. Yeah. I mean, it's just really like. It's really like this really happened and now somebody has to pick up the pieces of this 
mess that was created. And she's she's truly, I feel like this character is looking at this through the eyes of a mother who actually yeah. cares about her children. She really had had and feels, showed a ton of compassion. Yes. And I think she even felt bad. Like, I think she felt bad for Betty in the sense that she wished that Betty wasn't a bad person and hadn't done this to the children. Yes. In, in that sense, I if agree. that makes any sense. Yes. It's, it's just a really sad scene. There's there's some really sad moments, which I think is good when you can see a, a movie scene like this and you're like touched by it. Because mm -hmm. a lot of TV movies, you know. Yeah. We've seen a lot where there should be sad scenes. And, and it's not eh, so sad. It's not so sad. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when people are jumping out of bushes by stop signs. <laughs> <laughs> Sooner or later, my, my, my. <laughs> so she, D.A. Wells brings the things to Kevin's house and then she speaks with the boys. She tells them she has to find out the truth and ask for their help. And then she asks if they were surprised and they both said no. Tommy says that she always said she was going to um, kill. She, she said, and I mean, she, everybody, a lot of people said she threatened to kill Dan all yeah. the time. Yeah. And yes. that their mom said some pretty bad stuff about Linda. And then Grant asked if she, then Grant, little sweet little Grant asked if she's going to be out in time to see her soccer game. Yeah. It's so heartbreaking. He just wants his mom. Oh, he just game. wants his mom there. And he just does. He's just too young to understand what's really going on. It's so sad. It's so sad. In the next scene, Betty is yammering to her new lawyer, Mark Bird. Don't worry. He won't be around long. No. Nope. And says, those kids mean everything to me. She wants bail. She deserves bail. Deserves bail. She deserves bail, but she has a case. She has a very hard time trusting lawyers. Yes. You know, she's already had to fire one incompetent lawyer. It's true. It's true. I mean, I can see how hard it Could would be. Could you imagine? Because I think that there's like some like obligation if somebody asks you to defend them that you have to like. Yeah. That, I think and that not defending them takes like. I couldn't imagine. No, I, I think I think that. that once you take once you take that on, you're stuck because you have to put in so much work. It's impossible for someone to just come in and take over. Yeah, and I wouldn't say impossible, but you hear about that all the time where people want to get rid of their lawyers, and then the judge says no. Yeah, because who wouldn't do it in the middle of a murder trial? Right, just to get out of it. So. Yeah. I don't know, but I'm sure I feel certain that some of these lawyers have seen much crazy. Uh, yes. So, um. I, I thought that was rain I was hearing. The next scene is Linda and Dan's funeral. His sister gives a really lovely eulogy. Beautiful. She says really lovely, lovely things. She calls her funny, thoughtful, compassion, compassionate, says Linda celebrated life. And then Larry, Larry gets up to speak and he talks directly to the children. And he says their father was devoted to them, yep. that he loved them, that they'll never understand how much he loved them. And then the kids are just sitting there bawling and it is heart breaking yep in court betty's lawyer fights for bail so she can quote unquote care for her children the prosecution argue, argues that she broke every injunction and restraining order and that betty has no respect for the law truth truth bail's denied and betty tells bird she'd rather have da wells as her lawyer yeah i'm sure he'd rather she had him as a lawyer i, agree. As a lawyer. I agree on the phone in the clink <laughs> betty is complaining again this time to a woman at a PR firm because she's decided she needs a PR tour because she needs to get her story out to the people. Yes. They need to the hear. People all need to listen yep. to her and Poor understand Betty. that Dan may have called her a name, yes. but she's perfectly innocent in all of the things. Yep. 
And it's poor, all his, it's poor, really his fault she had to kill him. Poor murderer Betty. Poor movie Betty bitch. Liar, liar. Betty's pants are on fire a they lot are. in this movie. She's awful. She's really awful. She's the worst. So let's listen to this awful you woman. You guys can listen yeah, to Yeah, let's, you guys can listen you to judge. her from it. Yeah, you judge. We did. I need your help. I'm all alone in here. Dan's gone, but his influence isn't, that's for sure. Yeah, I, I get these kids out of law school, and the state gets Carrie Wells. I mean, that gal's sharp as hell. So I need to find a way to get my story, the, the real story, out to the press, and consequently to the public at large. Mrs. Broderick, Betty, please. Betty, your case is very compelling to me. Very. Thank you. I, I realize that public relations can be a very powerful tool, especially when it's handled by a firm as respected as yours. So maybe you can finally be the weapon that I've never had. Good. Maybe we can change your luck. We've got D.A. Wells, who finds out that Betty hired a PR firm from a front page story in the paper. So back in the clink. <laughs> Betty is on the phone the bitching to the PR firm lady. Betty tells her that Linda just stepped into Betty's life, meaning yeah. that Dan sent Betty out. Linda just fit right on in. Yes. So, okay, we see another front page story as Betty is on the phone complaining again. Mm -hmm. uh, D.A. Wells' boss gives D.A. Wells a letter telling him Betty is considering representing herself. <laughs> oh, Then mm. Betty hires a new lawyer, Jack Early. He is... Um, in the front of the courthouse, making a speech to reporters about getting Betty vindication. He must have been one of those like, like uh, lawyers who like did a lot of, um, defended a lot of people who were like very high profile. Oh yes, probably. So okay, at the prison, I wonder why OJ didn't hire him? Huh? Huh? Good question. Because they would have been, he would have been in practice at that time. He would have. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Um, well, he had his San friends. Diego and LA. Yeah. That's and different. he had his, he had his friends defending him because Kardashian was one of his best friends. Oh. Because, okay. you know, you know, OJ's ex, his ex dead wife was good friends with Kris Jenner. Yes. I did know that. And they used to vacation together when they were, when he, OJ and his wife were married. Yep. With the kids, the families, they spent a lot of time together. Yep. I did read all about that in a people magazine yeah. and in like 19. Do you know that I have, I'm not kidding. I have never seen an episode of keeping up with the Kardashians. Me neither. Not a single episode of any of the other nope. shows. No anything. desire. No. Well, we're not going to go down that rabbit no, hole. No, it's ended anyway. So okay. bye. All right. At the prison, we've got Betty complaining again. To what? The, the not doctor. Betty. Yep. Betty doesn't complain. Yeah, um, about a marriage encounter like weekend that they went on early in their marriage, she and Dan. Um, and it was such a useless scene because mm -hmm. seriously, what she's talking about was what twenty years prior. Mm -hmm. So we're gonna we're really going back. I mean, that's that just shows you the level of deprivation that woman has. Yeah. So and then pettiness. Then she complained again about how Linda took her life. Um, then Betty said that Dan almost forced me to do what I did. I. I think I should have probably looked up synonyms for complaining for this, <laughs> for this script. The doctor asks if she sees the implications of her actions and her response is that she and her kids suffered for a very, Ugh. very long time. I'm Ugh. suffering for a long time watching these movies. Exactly. Movie Betty. 
So now we've got Karen visiting Betty and Karen's giddy about everyone talking about Betty and how Betty altered the female consciousness. Uh, Karen, uh, Karen says it's quote, um, be nice to your ex-wife week. And they laugh. They're, they're so glib. Yes. Yes. <sighs> All right. We've got DEA, DA Wells, and she is meeting with Larry and his wife. Remember Larry, Dan's brother, um, he's complaining about the headlines. He's mad that she's being portrayed as some sort of feminist superhero. He says that he saw her, Betty, harass his brother, Dan, and her own children for the past five years and asks when they can tell their story. And this is where the DA says, we, don't, we just need to convince yes. 12 jurors, not that's, the press. That's that old adage. You know, I don't need to outrun the, if you're like with somebody and yeah. the bear's coming at you, you don't need to outrun the bear. You just need, you need to, to outrun, outrun the other person. Yes, exactly. Yes. So, all right, um, back at the clink, <laughs> we've got Betty. We, we don't need to, we don't need to get the, 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 the thesaurus. No, clink is that. perfect. Okay. Uh, Betty is reading letters from all over the world. She's like, I'm, I'm popular, pop, isn't you it? Love. you're going to be popular. <laughs> isn't it funny though, that people would use the word feminist for her? Yeah. Because she's not in any way, shape no. or form a feminist. I mean, look it up. Yeah. Like, just give it a Google and look at the definition. Yeah. She was never a feminist. No. She's a murderer. Yeah. Movie Betty, you murderer. Um, okay. So um, Betty's lawyer calls. And as they're walking to the phone, a guard asks her about her wristband. Waistband. I'm sorry. I listened to the wrong word. I guess they have waistbands that they put on and they're supposed to play. It's kind of like a way to keep their arms like. At their sides? Yeah. Like, so they're not. Yeah, so they're not a danger. I guess they have to have their yeah. Oh, so there's a way. I oh, had to look it up. I thought it was a wristband. I thought it was a wristband too, and then I looked it up because I'm like, what the hell kind of wristband do they need? It's not a nightclub. I thought it was like a hospital wristband, like yeah, with so your information, or oh. like the kind you get when you go oh, into a nightclub so to show you're 21 and can makes drink. So much more sense. I know. Now. Okay. I know. All That's right. That's why I t I changed it in some places. I might have missed one. Okay. But so it's waistband. Yeah. So okay. it's some kind of. Like Shackle. a restraining yeah, kind of thing. Okay. So she tells him that every guard knows her. She gets 200 letters a week and she doesn't need one. Oh, she's walking like she's hot shit yep, too, isn't she? absolutely she? is. All right. So now we've got Larry and DA Wells and they're talking at um, his house. And she tells him that jury selection begins in two weeks. She asks to speak to the boys one at a time. Um, Tommy tells her he liked Linda and living with her and Dan but um, he wanted to go to Betty's so she wouldn't be mad at him. And um, Tommy felt all that Betty cared about was money. Tommy said um, it's his fault because he knew she had a gun and that um, and threatened to kill Dan and Linda. So we're going to listen to Tommy now talking to D.A. Wells yeah. about his mom and her gun. Get your Kleenex out. We like Linda a lot, so we wanted to live there. But I thought if Grant and I went over to Mom, she wouldn't be mad all the time and everything would be fine. It seemed like towards the end, she just wanted money more than anything. Towards the last year or so. Heartbreaking. It's so sad. So sad. Back at the office, D.A. Wells tells her boss she doesn't want to put the boys on the stand. She just doesn't think it's healthy for them. And it's a good thing somebody's looking out for the children. Yes. Again, showing compassion. Yep. Back in the clink, 
Karen <laughs> is visiting Betty. They're talking about what she's going to wear in court and they're kind of laughing. And then Betty's like, well, that, that skirt has pleats. And she's like, no, it's straight. And she's like, have I been in here so long that I forgot my own wardrobe? She like yell talks. Oh. Have I been here so long? I forgot my own wardrobe. I mean, it's like, Ugh. yeah. And I, I feel like I haven't seen it in a long time, but when she did that interview with Oprah, I feel like she was yelling too. Oh, well, I think, I think she, yell she yells talks. a lot. Yeah. yeah. She probably doesn't even realize how annoying she is. Yeah. I think she loves herself a lot of Betty. She does. Ugh. So as Betty leaves Karen, she says to Karen, get a ringside seat in court. And then they kind of giggle like it's like it's funny. Yeah. Like, like this charming. whole thing is funny. This is. Yeah. It's just it's tragic on every level. And she's laughing about what she's going to wear to court. Yeah. Betty's on the prison bus to court dressed to the nine. She looks she beautiful. Yeah. She's got. Uh, Navy designer suit. She's got the big earrings, which were very popular at the time. Ring, necklace, sunglasses. I don't know. Like, that's sort of weird that, like, you're allowed to just have sunglasses in prison. I think that, I think Karen had to remember, Karen brought the stuff for her, for her to wear. Yeah, but I would think court. that they would let her put it on, like, after, like, the. you'd think that her lawyer would have that to put on right before they go out. Yeah, who knows? I don't know, because you could use a ear, those giant earrings as a weapon. Worked on the bus. Right? Uh, so in court, um, they kind of, like, pan around. There's dramatic TV music playing. They pan around, show everybody. Betty comes in, and then it just the scene cuts to black, which is one of the, meant that it was probably a commercial break. Yes. This one has a lot of the, you, this one has like clear commercial breaks. Yeah. Like you can tell when it's they stop. Fun. Yeah, it's tell. kind of fun. It's kind of funny. Dia Wells gives the opening statements and says it's about hate, revenge, and murder. She tells the jury that Broderick's hatred knows no bounds. And I, I agree. And then we have Jack Early. I just, this, this whole, this whole scene that he did irritated the crap and out of me. And it's straight out of the out of the court records. Yeah. And I'm pretty this. sure he probably did this every time he was like trying to defend someone. It was, I think it so. was just very dramatic. He's like, he opens with the same crap. We've heard about Betty, Betty complaining about, you know, Dan, she worked when Dan was in school. She sacrificed her own comfort. She lost her personal identity for the marriage. Poor, Poor Betty. Betty. Betty's not responsible for anything she's done. Then he tells the jury that Dan abandoned his wife and had an affair which, by the way, has never been proven. Never been proven that he actually had an affair. It, that's true. And then he, like, takes... So how would you describe it? There's a board, and he, and it's covered with, like, a cloth. And he opens the board up, and he's like... And then Dan took this away, and he smashed a picture. And he took this away, and he smashed a picture. He tore... The first trial, he tore him off and Oh, yeah, the first the trial he did. He took it down and threw it, like, very dramatically. Like... To, I think today, Casey, people would laugh out loud at that. I think so. Kind of silliness. I think so. Because it's just dramatics. It's silly. It was just playing to the jury. It was absolutely, but it worked, but it's it was playing to the jury. So then, it, then we have Debbie testifying for the defense, and she says that Dan and Linda called Betty names. Well, gee, I wonder why they would call Betty names. Yeah. I mean, you know, Vandal yeah. could be a name they used. It's just, it's silly because no matter what, names people call you that does not give you the right to kill them no you don't get to murder you don't get to murder someone because they call you a vandal they call you the truth or if they call you fat yeah even you if they call you fat them. no it would be nice if we could but you can't yeah you can't susan testifies remember susan from the last movie her I friend do. I her do. friend had actually betty 
kicked out because she was kind of like, listen, dude, you need to move on. Yes. She testifies for the prosecution. She calls Betty materialistic. And then while Susan is testifying, Betty is like to her lawyer. She's so rude. Yeah. Her her antics know no bounds. No. And, and, and it's just such disrespect, but it is exactly what she, the way she is. Yeah. That's who she is. 100%. Karen testifies for the defense and says that, oh, Betty's not materialistic at all, which is adorable. Karen, and she tests, Karen testifies that Betty had no bed frame even, and her house wasn't well furnished. You know, Hmm. she, she lived in. In relative poverty in her $600,000 house. With the ocean view. And three cars. Yeah. <clears throat> hmm. ah, what happens in the next scene, Case? Who do we get to hear from? We get to hear Dr. Laura Schlesinger. Oh, Dr. Laura! Now, for those of you who do not know who Dr. Laura Schlesinger is, she was a hugely famous radio TV talk show host. She had a daily program, three-hour program, where people would call in. And ask her advice. And were always upset when she gave it to them. Yeah, which was very predictable advice yes. because she really had one way of thinking. Yeah. Or has, because she's yeah. still around. And I will tell you that I didn't know she was still around. I didn't know she was still making her show, but I listened to her all the time. Not because I liked her advice, because I thought her advice a lot of time was not not great. No, it's like what listening to Dr. Laura is like watching Antiques Roadshow for the people whose face who think that they've got something worth a lot. And then the face that they make when it's like, oh, these are worth about five dollars on the open market. Yeah. Yeah. The the fallen face, the fall, like it's kind of like, I'm gonna watch this car crash because I know it's gonna crash. And exactly. how do you not know it's crashing when you're driving it? Yeah. Yeah. I remember one time somebody called in, this woman called in and she's like, We listen to your show. I've because they all do. Yes. Always, I listen to your show. I'm Long a time fan. listener. Yeah. First time caller. Take on the day. Go take on the day. And that was her famous tagline was, now go take on the day. Mm-hmm. But so this woman called in and she's like, we listen to your show all the time. And we decided after listening that we were going to quit our jobs so we can co-raise our children together. And now we're going broke. What should we do? And she's mm-hmm. like, get fucking jobs. And yeah. she's like, well, what do you mean? <laughs> and that's one of my favorite calls ever. Yes. Cause I'm like, you're so stupid. Yeah. So anyway, Dr. Laura Schlesinger's on like on the radio. Yes. And. So our next witness is Kate. She's in court testifying about her mom taking the keys. And that's how Betty entered the house. And we remember that Kate found the keys earlier in the beginning of the movie. Yes. Kate says she found the keys after the murder and that they were supposed to guard the keys so that Betty didn't get them. Yes. A psychiatrist then testifies that she was physically, sexually, and psychologically abused by Mr. Broderick. Quote, unquote, based on what Betty told him. Yes. So we have to remember, I think that's a very important thing to say. That's based on what Betty told him. Yes. On the stand, D.A. Wells shows Betty multiple checks. So now Betty's testifying. I don't, I can't remember. Uh, Anyway, Betty, multiple checks from Dan to Betty in amounts of 3,000, 9,000 and other large amounts. Betty agrees that Dan bought her a $600,000 house. and. 
DA Wells asked about the vandalization and Betty, she doesn't deny it. No. And so it's just kind of a whole thing. Jack early questions Betty about the money and she and Dan, that she and Dan spent while they were married. And she, he, Jack early asked Betty sort of when Dan's demeanor changed and Betty testified that Dan called her old, fat, and stupid and told her he wasn't happy. And she says she tried to be perfect. And I said, Casey, she should have just tried to be nice. Yeah. Nice would is have, much better than perfect. Would have gone a, lot way, a long way. I yeah. mean, she may be still married to Dan today if yes. she had just been nice. Yep. Next, Betty's on the phone talking to Jerry and wants to know why it's been six days of deliberation. Then we see D.A. DA Wells at her desk. It's it's nighttime, and, and that's the scene. That's She's the just scene. Sitting, sitting there in the dark. Yeah. Probably in contemplation. Yeah. In the courtroom, the jury is unable to reach a verdict, and they don't feel they can continue with the deliberations. So the judge declares a mistrial, and then he says he's going to reschedule a trial again soon. Betty is just giddy. She's yes. happy. She's kind of like, woohoo! You know, she's like making... A lot of noises like, woo, like, yeah, we did it. And, yeah. And and to me, that's just sad. And it's such a dis it's such disrespect. She really disrespects her children in every possible way. She well, e everyone. Yeah. Well, but everybody especially but in particular sadly. the people you bring into the world. Yes. You know, and you want to like care for and 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 keep from safe from harm and all the things. And yes. she didn't do any of that. Nope. So outside the courtroom. The holdout jury is speaking with the press and he says he doesn't know what took her so long to kill Dan. Ugh. The DA overhears it and then she just kind of walks off. And then she tells her bo her boss that she just doesn't know if she wants to take the time to prosecute again because it was a year yep. of her life. Yep. It's a lot of time and energy to go into the prosecution. And even though a lot of the footwork is done, there's, you still have to do all of the work to prep and and retry and all of the things so in her cell the guard from earlier comes to take betty to church services she leaves betty leaves the cell and he tells her that she needs the waistband which casey looked up so they are kind of like a shackle at your waist like yep. a belt with with um handcuffs yep on either side she walks away and tells him she has not been found guilty of anything and then she storms back to her room when he tells her she needs to follow the rules and as he's leaving he closes the door and she's screaming like, I can't even go to church around here. I want to talk to the captain. Yep. Like, ugh, you're exhausting, Betty. And she is. Not that interesting. Ugh. So next we have a reporter, Natalie Parker, talking to Karen at a fancy restaurant. And Karen's wearing, we notice, these really large Chanel earrings. Yes. They're they're quite beautiful. Actually, I think I think people would wear them today even. Oh, yeah. Let's listen to what they have to say. Interviewed Betty myself yet, just gathering opinions and such at this point. Well, I think what Betty did was courageous. Care to elaborate? She had to do it to get attention. No one would listen otherwise. Betty has done something real important for scores of women in this country. And now that 2020 and People Magazine have contacted her about future interviews, and, and with your magazine publishing your story, that's national exposure. Which means that maybe the next Dan Broderick will think twice. All right. So now we've got D.A. Wells. She and her husband are taking their dry cleaning from the, it looks like they did all their comforters. Yeah. And it, yeah. They, and I said, they must have really filmed that 
Because there's a lot of traffic. There's a lot of traffic. So I right feel on like the they couldn't have orchestrated that much traffic for a TV nope. movie. Live shot. Yeah. Live shot. It's kind of cool. Yeah. So she says so um, that she's going to take on the second trial. And yes. he's not surprised. Nope. She says she chose to do it because she feels bad because she wants to help real vi victims. But there's no evidence that she was abused. So. She calls Betty a fraud and tells him she can't just walk she away. She is not wrong. She's not. Um, we've got Betty meeting with Nancy Parker. Nancy asks her how she feels being applauded for her bravery. Betty complained about Dan again. So uh, we see yet another headline, this time from Nancy Parker. It says, Hell hath no fury. Betty is reading this article in her cell and says, Thank you, Natalie. <sighs> All right. Now, we've got D.A. Wells. Um, she tells her boss that she got a call from Jack early and that he and Betty will take an involuntary manslaughter and a 20-year prison term. D.A. Wells' boss um, says that they should consider it, yes. um, but that Betty would be out in 10 years. Uh, Jack calls D.A. Wells back, and um, she says they're no. not going to bargain down. Nope. We'll see you in court. Yeah, see you in court. And she hangs up. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Good for her. Bye. Bye. All right. We've got Betty getting into an altercation with another what? prisoner. No. I love it so much. I know. Because this other prisoner just shoves her oh, off the bench. It's, uh, it's fucking awesome. Right next to a guard. And um, then then there's <laughs> twice. Yes. Twice. Um, The prisoner next to her calls her fat, pushes her off the bench again. Betty complains to the guard. And... Uh, then she goes into court. She called her fat. She's lucky she's not dead. Yeah. She's lucky Betty, movie Betty didn't shank her. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's true because movie Betty is a murderer. Movie so. Betty is a murderer. Uh, newsflash. But okay, at the new trial. <laughs> now we've got the We're new, the new trial. trial. DA Wells' boss. Um, DA Wells um tells her boss that she's gotten Betty's psych tests. Which is a big coup because big, she didn't have them before. It's true. Um, so now the the guards, <laughs> now we cut to a scene of the guards. Now they're going to move Betty into isolation. And this because actually did of, happen. Yes, because of the altercation. And and, and, um, and so, she's just not a very good person. Yeah. And um, she actually um, throws a fit. And like I said, we looked this up and yeah, it truly really did happen. It was awful because she's. Awful. Yes. And I'm not going to, you, if you want to Google, Google it, it. Yeah. We're not going to talk about that it, what, what happened in this scene was a very downplayed version of what actually happened. Yes. So, um, so the guards end up, um, just carrying her into the isolation it room. It took how many do you think there were it looked six? Like there were, yeah. And, um, the prisoners start yelling and cheering. And so there she goes into, into big excitement um, in the solitary. Clinker. Yep. Solitary in the clink. The clinky. Um, all right. So now they, they, they videotaped it. They videotaped it and the video, the tape ends and we've got Tommy and Grant watch, watching it. Yeah. Cause it's on TV. Yep. Cause it's on the news. <sighs> she really got so much airplay. Yes. I mean, honestly. Yes. If Do you remember? I totally all remember. The time all they it. talked. She it. was on, in the people magazine. I just remember yep. all the time. All the time. And I remember even back then thinking to myself, but she murdered. I, she murdered somebody. I know. I know. Oh, why are we celebrate? Why do we celebrate that in this country? I don't know. It is so sad that we uh, celebrate I that. Do not know. All right. So now we've got Kate. Remember, Kate is the daughter. oldest daughter, and she and that 
and D.A. Wells are at lunch talking. Kate says she's confused. Um, poor thing, yeah, of course. She scary. knows her mother is a murderer. She's tr- struggling because she's going to testify against her mother. Uh, Kate says she barely speaks to her sister. Remember? Um, Debbie. Debbie. Um, and tells D.A. Wells that Betty told her that um, she was a marked woman. Oh. So her mom threatened her. Yeah. She's like, does that mean, does that mean she's going to kill me too? Or yeah. something like so that. So she's like, so does that mean I'm on Betty's hit on my yeah, own I'm mother's on hit, hit list? D.A. Wells tells Kate to move on with her mom and that her mom is not well. Yeah. And it's she true. She was very compassionate. D.A. Wells was, again, showed tremendous compassion. Yes. Yes. <sighs> All right. So. Kate um, says she also does not want to testify on court TV, TV, and I can't blame her. No, and I think we should probably explain that because people may not know what that is. Yeah. Back in the 90s and probably even the early 2000s, there was a there was a cable network called Court TV. Yeah. I don't think it even exists Exploited anymore. Exploited a lot. I, a lot saw, of... I saw the Casey Anthony trial. Yep. I saw there was a trial with um, the guy from the Grateful Dead, Jerry Garcia's common law spouse sued the estate okay i don't think he left money for her something to that effect um remember the texas cadet murders the two people that Mm -hmm. one went to west point yep they killed the girl yep we're gonna watch that movie coming up i mean there were it was um every big trial at the time was on court tv yeah i think the oj simpson trial was was televised through court TV. Yeah, I think it was too. Yeah, and that was that was what a year? Yeah. And and so Kate Kate doesn't want to testify on court TV. Can't um, blame her. Yeah, um and uh, she says it just keeps growing. Yes. And DA Wells says that she will try to get the cameras barred she from must the courtroom. Have. She must have. Um so next we are at October 15th, 1991 and DA Wells is giving her opening statement in the second trial the second of trial. Betty Broderick. Um, she says that Betty distorted the events and even her kids recognize this. Jack Early, oh, once Jack. again, shows that picture of the whole family. And this is when this he is the one. smashes it in his dramatic show to the jury. And Wells jokes, well, it worked the first time because um, she's talking at, yeah. the ta- at her little yeah. lawyer I mean, it's table. so gimmicky. Yeah. It's just so gimmicky. So now we've got Kate on the stand and she's testifying that Dan, her father, did not attack or destroy hers or her mother's possessions. She testifies that her father tried hard to be a good father. She says neither she nor her siblings were ever afraid of their father. Um, They play the tape of grant and betty on the phone from the first movie yeah and if you and if you remember i actually put a clip of that call you did yeah so you, you can go back and listen to that you if did. you want to um this is where he is begging his mother to stop leaving the terrible messages and now betty's crying as she listens yeah. to it probably on, because on the, she knows she looks bad i'm yeah. sure it has nothing to do with feeling, feeling bad, bad? No. no there's no feeling movie bad betty her. does not have feelings that aren't bitter evil hateful spiteful no. All right, so then Jack synonyms. Yes, good job. (laughs) Jack Early then questions Kate about Dan having an affair with Linda, which is such shit. Why? Why are you? Why are you burdening 
the daughter right. of the of and her father how did that murdered. Ha- Why are you talking about whether he had an affair? She Infidelity is not a reason for murder. It, it, it's not even, a reason for murder. Exactly. It's not. And if it were, there'd be a lot more dead spouses in this country. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he's totally a jerk to Kate. He's she a is jerk. upset. Um, all right. Now we've got the psychiatrist on the stand and DA Wells is questioning the psychiatrist. He testifies that Betty is not mentally ill, but that she has a narcissistic personality disorder. You think? Um, huh. Hmm. Let's give that a little hmm. bit of time. Yeah. Sink in. It's sunk. They diagnosed, uh, or he said that they diagnosed someone as narcissistic if they have five out of nine criteria. <laughs> And Betty has, has all nine. All nine. <laughs> all nine of the criteria. What is? Raise your hand if you're surprised. Yeah. Nope. There's not a single hand raised in anybody listening to this episode. And, and Betty is sitting at her little table um, looking bored and filing She's her nails. She's filing her nails. Oh. Like, I mean, can you imagine? What it's a like, narcissistic it's, thing it to is. do like, while you know someone... what? I just don't even think you guys are important enough to listen to. I'm going to file my... Yep. File my nails and show you how unimportant you all are. Yep. Well, it didn't work, bitch. Yeah. So he also believes she's too narcissistic to be suicidal. I agree with that. And that all of her threats were for homicide. Agreed. And not suicide. I told you this when we were watching, and I'll say it again, that I believe I like the way that this movie portrayed her in a not so good light. Yes. Because she's not such she, a good person. No, she's not. But I mean, there was really hordes of she's women around the world murderer. who were like, yeah, Betty, Betty did the right thing. She should have killed no, her she husband. Murdered. No, she murdered. And then she, and then she was emotionally abusive. The very same reason she says she killed Dan. She, she did to Is, everybody else, including yes. her children. Most importantly, her children. And so it just, Oh, the celebration. Oh, I, so that's one thing I really liked about this movie. And the fact that the the court scenes weren't that boring. I was no. afraid this was going to be super no, boring. They, and it wasn't. Good. No, they not at all. All right. So now we are back at prison and Betty is banging on oh, the guard's the door clink. and demands to go to the infirmary because she has to testify the next day and wants to touch up her roots wow. with a little bit of peroxide. You know, right now. Right I'm now. Going right now. The guard tells her it's for the sick. The infirmary is for the sick. He closes the door and Betty calls him a nasty name. I was going to use the name, but I figured no. No. I don't like that word at all. No. And I don't, you no. know. So now we've got Betty taking the stand. And <sighs> really, you just have to listen. You do. You do. And if you really want the whole thing, watch the movie. Ugh. Yikes. Movie Betty. hate you. Let's talk about custody. I never got any. Right. Didn't you tell your psychiatrist, Dr. Farrelson, that you did not want your children until you were assured of your social standing? Exactly. Right. I I had no security. I was too nervous to take them on with nothing. And I had nothing. Nothing at all. You had been living in a $650,000 house for 16 months, correct? Yes. You had three cars? Maybe. But you wouldn't seriously discuss custody, would you? All right. Now, Betty um, testifies um, a letter was a threat to her. Yeah. A letter that the DA blew up. Yes. Um, so it's it's like um, very, very huge yeah. poster, like a five by eight poster of this letter that Betty's like, that was Dan threatening me. Uh, DA Wells. So she shows it. Um 
And it's a letter really from one lawyer to yeah. another. It's, it's not, not a, threat. a threat. It's just like um, uh, Dan offered to talk about custody in the letter. And it's a plea to her lawyer to stop the obscenities and move forward with the custody agreement. Betty said the letter pushed her over the edge because he forced her to. <sighs> she agrees that she had Kate's keys and snuck into his house. She said she was only there to talk to him. D.A. Wells says Betty used the word confront. Betty says the gun was to make him listen. Right. This is like really good when they're going back and forth, like because D.A. Wells is just like in this dramatization yeah. of she's not letting betty she doesn't let her off the hook she's not letting betty like control this co control the situation she's not letting she's calling betty out and betty's getting frustrated because she doesn't like being called out exactly betty likes to like be in control it, totally hmm, who do we know like mm -hmm. anyway hmm. the da <laughs> then says that that goes um all that goes all against her wanting to commit suicide Betty disagrees. Betty then says she went into the bedroom. Somebody moved and it was over. Betty said it was dark. D.A. Wells points out that she testified that Linda said, call the police. D.A. Wells caught her in another lie yep. and said, how could um, she tell that it was Linda if it was dark? And Betty kept saying that my impression, my that impression. was my impression and that it was all a blur. It was all a blur. It was all a blur. She didn't say it like this. It was all a blur. She's like, it was all a blur. Like, yeah. cause she yell talks. Well, she's, yep. She does. She, she, she yell does. talks more than I do. Yeah. Well, uh, she's a yell talker. She's a yell talker. DA Wells asked her, um, why she stopped shooting. And then Betty said that she panicked and she said it all happened very fast. And DA Wells points out that it took some time to shoot five times. Yes. It Betty did. denies remem remembering any of it. Yep. DA Wells tells her that in some notes from an earlier doctor, Betty says she remembers pulling yes. the trigger once. Remember that song from the Thompson twins called Lies, Lies, Lies? Yeah. Yeah. For some reason it's stuck in my head right now. Yeah. DA Wells asked her if she pulled the phone out of the wall because she was afraid Dan would call the police. And Betty says yes. So now how would she Wells, know that? You know what I mean? Like yes. it's just she's such a contra contradiction. Yep. So DA Wells has caught her in several lies, yep. particularly in um what she said with interviews yes. with the press. Exactly. That came back to haunt her, yes. thankfully. Thankfully. Betty says she went over to kill herself, not but true. didn't because there weren't any bullets left. Well, no, there's not after you kill two people. Shot, shoot them five, five times. times. Five there times. There was, I will tell you, I would say that I don't believe there was ever any intent to kill herself. No, I, I don't think I, there was ever. And she went around, people called Dan and said, she's threatening to kill you. You should do something about it. She's threatening to kill you. She told people at where she went to go practice on the gun range yep that she was and didn't that alarm any of those people at no, the gun range that they didn't call the police themselves because nope. i if if somebody threatened another human being and i felt like there was a real threat there i would you call, call you follow up yeah you follow up i mean we do have a duty as citizens of of human humanity yep to try and keep other people safe yep i think so so this time the jury reaches a verdict of guilty, guilty of murder in the second degree for both Linda and Dan and the um, deputies bailiffs. I was trying to remember the right name. They lead Betty away. They do. Bye bye, Betty. Bye bye. bye. So in the next scene, Linda's sister reads an impact statement for the court. She explains that her father couldn't bear the 
could not bear to be there for sentencing. She says that she has to defend Linda because of the way the defense has acted. And then the judge sentenced Betty Broderick with um, consecutive terms. That means um, one, one after then the, the other. other. Yep. Uh, 15 years to life for each case. And then the end text says Elizabeth Broderick is currently incarcerated at the Central California Women's Facility at Chowchilla. She will not be eligible for parole until March 2011. And, and then the movie ends. It's true. So then I did a little search research to see where we are today with Betty Broderick. And what I found was a, was a good housekeeping article from 2020 that says Betty has reportedly, and this is in the show notes. So all of, all of, this all the research we do outside is always in the show notes so you can find the link if you want to read the article in, in its entirety for yourself the good housekeeping says betty has reportedly been denied been denied parole twice over the years first in january 2010 and then again seven years later in january 2017 a two-member panel of california's parole board voted unanim unanimously against releasing her from prison She'll be 84 years old when she's up for parole again in 2032, oh. according to People. So next time, Case, we were going to do the Tony Tony Danza move, movie. And we are going to do the Tony Danza movie in June. Okay. But first, we're going to do another movie of, a, of actually another true crime, like an obsessive true crime that I was obsessed with when it happened. Okay. Because do you remember Carolyn Wormus? No, I'm trying she to remember is, this. Okay. So here's the basic story. And this was all over the news. Again, this was a cultural phenomenon. Maybe people even remember this just saying her name, but there is an update to the story as well. Carolyn Warmus had an affair with a man named Paul Solomon. They were both teachers, I think in New York city or something. Oh, I know this. She was story. a socialite. Grew up very, very wealthy, and she ended up killing. Well, she was she was convicted of killing Paul Solomon's wife. Yes. Um, there there is still, I think, to this day, some controversy over whether it was truly her that killed him, because some people thought other people killed her, I should say, not him, her, his wife. And so this is the movie. This is the TV movie called A Murderous Affair, the Carolyn Warmest Story. Yay! So I can't wait. And it stars Virginia Madsen, who also was very short period of time a host on Unsolved Mysteries. Fantastic. For those of you who don't know this, that is my favorite show of all time. It's true. All the time. I it's love true. Unsolved Mysteries. And I actually love the new reiteration of it. I think it's better than the original, the one that's on Netflix right now. Okay. So I could talk about Unsolved Mysteries until the cows come home, but it's we're not going to do that because... Yeah. We've, you know, got, we've got something to do we've here. We've got, what are we going to do, Case? We're going to make a phone call. We're going to make a phone call to some friends of ours. We have to leave a message for our pals. Are you going to call or shall I? You should, because okay. I do not have the phone number up. Okay. Meanwhile. I do, I might need to look at that when we get to that. If I'm calling, I don't know. I have to see if I can pull it up. Okay. So let's see. Okay. So I have to call. Here we go. Keypad. Okay. Where do, we've got to unlock the phones, get, yeah, your, get your eyes scanned. Trying to do all the things. Okay, so we're calling. Which speaker? Patients unknown. If you'd like to ask the hosts a question or leave a comment about the show, please leave a message after the beep. Your message may get played back on a future episode of the show. If you're contacting the show about something else, please visit locationsunknown.org, click on the contact link at the top of the homepage, 
and fill out the form. Thanks. Hey, Joe. Hey, Mike. We saw your number on the bathroom stall and we decided we should call it. This is Kirsten. And I'm Beth from the Made for TV Movie Club podcast. We're in the clubhouse recording our latest episode. And we wanted to call and order autographed glamour shots that you guys talked about on your last episode. Because, well, Case, we want to hang the pictures up next to our poster of the Hardy Boys. We do. We want the Hardy Boys, and then we want the locations unknown by I do. And then eventually we're hoping that maybe you can get us some autographed copies of William Shatner. That would be great. Yeah. By the way, nice cameo on The Unexplained, Joe. Uh, keep up the search, guys, and have a great day. Bye. All right. That was our friends at um, the Locations Unknown podcast. We sponsored two episodes of theirs, and I'm a huge, we're huge fans of the, of the fantastic podcast. I found it last fall, and I just, I just flew through the whole thing. I yeah. listened to every episode. It's such a good show. If you guys like true crime, it's not true. It's it's actually it's, it's true mystery. Missing. It's about missing persons. Yep. So it's a great it's a great podcast, and they really know what they're talking about. They talk about people who go missing in national parks, and Joe and Mike are big hikers, so they also talk a lot about the parks that they um, have people gone missing, and they're very they're very knowledgeable about how people could disappear in the wilderness. So it's a great show. If you get a chance to listen, listen. And they're a lot of fun. It's a lot All of right. fun. There you go. Uh, do you have a favorite TV movie from the 70s, 80s, or 90s you'd like us to review? Let us know. Let us know. You can find us on Facebook at Made for TV Movie Club Podcast. We are on Instagram at made underscore for underscore TV underscore movie underscore club. Listen to us on Anchor. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, Pocket Casts, Spotify, Stitcher, or Beaker. Breaker. 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 Do, do I always say Beaker? For no, that? I think you say Breaker. Okay. But that reminds me, Case, I found a I found a trucker movie we're going to do. Okay, do cool. a trucker movie. Cool. Annie Potts is in it. Last night in Roman's, Roman's production of Working, they have a song called Mother Trucker. It's pretty good. <gasps> awesome. And we're going to do it in July because I figured like July is a perfect time to do like a two-lady trucker movie. Love it. Yeah. Feel free to give us a five-star review on Please, Apple Podcasts you and tell your friends about us. We love you. Until next time, we'll see you right, right here, here in, in the, the clubhouse. clubhouse.